0: Welcome to Thursdays. It is True and Trivia Talk with Matt and you and me, McGinty. Hey, hey, hey. we are so glad for you guys to join us. We have, it's a new year, 2022. 2022, man, it's here. It is not 2020, the sequel. (laughs) No, no, it is a new year with some possibilities. I'm really excited what God's going to do at our church and do in our lives and doing this podcast, it's going to be awesome. So How today we are going to do a new segment. It's a new year. We're going to try a new segment. It's going to be called Life Skills. Random life skills. Random life skills. A friend of mine, Chris Willis, got me this awesome book for my uh, seminary graduation, and it's it's super awesome. It's just full of like solid gold, all kinds of great life skills. So we're going to do that new segment today. Also, Matt has a New Year's resolution. Like family feud style, right? Yeah,
1: kind of a survey says we're going to see if McGinty can guess what the top resolutions, top broken resolutions, and the top Christian resolutions are. Yeah, uh, my hopes are not high. Mine aren't either. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you have low expectations for that. You're a true
0: friend. Uh, And then we're going to close out a a really solid time where Matt and Wes are going to talk through what it means to have a Christian or actually a biblical worldview. Mm. And, man, Wes is going to bring some solid content on this, and it will really be challenging to you to really ask yourself, do I honestly live my life out thinking through how Christ wants me to think through? Or do I have some – if I absorb some lies – uh, from the world for these different other worldviews that are not supported by scripture that affect my decisions on my everyday actual practical living. Yep. Um, and I think most of us, if we're being honest, it it's gonna be really, really challenging. So yeah. uh stay tuned for that. It is a fantastic, fantastic segment. All right. Well Matt, um first of all, man, do you guys have a good Christmas?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But- have we done one of these since Christmas? No, we have not. not. We did have not uh, done one since Christmas. Yeah, I guess the last one we did was the whole Christmas uh yeah, the whole Christmas episode. So for sure. It's been uh, a while. Yeah, yeah, it has been a while. it's pretty but... much been an entire month. <laughs> it has been an entire month. And somehow but... we still remember how to do this. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good Christmas, a good new year's. And uh let's let's talk, let's talk about yours. You got you got a new little friend. We uh, have a new little
0: friend. Yes, we we did the puppy thing. Now we did not do a Christmas puppy thing. We adopted this little puppy uh, like four days before Christmas, and um, yes, hashtag Totes Adorbs. Okay, this thing is like half poodle, half. Did you really chihuah- just say that? I did. I um, say it
1: ironically, okay, because I'm an on, old dude, guy and I can't really 40. see. You're 40.
0: That's the mo- that's why it's funny. Okay, I don't. I- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh,
1: so share the name.
0: Share the name of your puppy. I have tried my best, just for the record. I've tried my best. This could be like a hashtag dad fail. All right. I've tried my best to get my kids to give this dog a true dog name. All right. Like a name that is like for real. <laughs> this is on the records. And this is like a solid, you know, two syllables or one syllable, you know, Rex or you, you know, or. But I really want to call it kitty, but you know. Um, <laughs> Because it's, it's a little, and it's not It's it, not going to get much bigger. It's about 8 pounds. It might get up to 15 pounds once it's fully yeah. grown. Yeah. It's not small. It's not big. So, uh, But the kids have decided this dog's name forevermore will be Fluffernutter.
1: Fluffernutter. Fluffernutter. Yeah. And
0: it's a very fitting name. She's very fluffy, and she's very nutty. And
1: <laughs> and that's what stuck. So, yeah, yes. And apparently very uh, cuddly because uh, every time I've seen McGinty with the dog, it's uh. <laughs> yeah, I probably that talk more baby little talk, little talk little to together. this dog than I have to my He's four so children. So
0: Thank yeah. you, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um. It is this. This dog is does like to be cuddled. Uh huh.
1: Yep. Yeah. And you're happy to indulge. It. I'm happy to indulge, man. It, it's it's <laughs> it's irresistible. <laughs> but it's for the kids, the puppies, uh, the dogs, for the, the puppies for the kids. It's funny. Not Brooke was
0: like really fed up with the dog at one point because she likes to uh launched torpedoes on our carpet. And um she's like, have got had it, and you know, Hanley wouldn't clean it up because it's supposed to be like her dog. And she's like, "Let's get rid of the." dog. I'm like, "No, don't get rid of the dog! Like, <laughs> no, we need to keep the dog. Like, it's it's a part of me now. It's, it's for, part of the family. It's for the kids. It's for the kids and me and me. Yeah, it's it's crazy how quickly they really kind of sneak into your heart. That's for sure. I'm just a dog guy, man.
1: I love dogs. Uh, and this that's, is a, that's totes adorable. <laughs> yeah.
0: We adopted this dog too. It's a rescue animal. Someone left this puppy and her little brother in a box on the side of the road. Wow, it's crazy. And this dog, this kind of breed. It's half. Cho- it's like poo is normally like you have to pay like a thousand dollars for one of these dogs. Hmm. So we got it for free. Ka-ching. Okay. Hey, not to brag or anything. All right. So um, good times. And did yeah. you, you guys survive the the war zone for New Year's Eve? The war? Oh, you mean just all the fireworks? fireworks.
1: Yeah, we were part of the war zone. Like, That's right. Uh, your neighbors. We went out and joined up with them, and uh, yeah, yeah, we good times. We had some neighbors um, opening the door at you know twelve thirty, kind of like, are you guys are you gonna be done anytime soon? <laughs> um, yeah, we had fun. It was good. Cool.
0: Well, we did like an outdoor movie, watched Encanto, I think, for the fifth time, and uh, watched an outdoor movie with the fireworks all going off around us. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's get to it, man. We, uh, we're we going to do our new life skills segment. Give it to us, man. And First time. So the way this is going to work, I have this book here, life skills. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to flip through it. And when Matt says stop, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to read you. This life skill. Okay. All right. So random life skills. This is full of all kinds of crazy stuff. The caption here is how to chop wood, avoid a lightning strike, and everything else your parents should have taught you. Okay. So, all right, you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Close my eyes. I'm gonna flip it through here. Stop. All what right. What you got? I have here how to change gear. You ready for this? And it's got a picture of a car. And uh, how to change gears. Ready? There's all kinds of cool diagrams. I'll just read you the, the the summary here. Gears. What are they? You used to. You're used to driving an automatic car. That may well be your attitude, but not, or cars that drive themselves. <laughs> you're like a Tesla. But not all cars are automatic. And particularly if you're driving in Europe, you may find yourself having to change gears in the old fashioned way. The good news is that it's not as difficult as it sounds. In fact, you might find yourself enjoying the human machine symbiosis so much, you won't want to go back to your pig headed automatic. And so it has all these different gears. And it's like, first gear is used for moving off, maneuvering, and negotiating hazards. Oh, good to know, right? Good to know. Third gear, I'm skipping second gear just for fun, is used to gain speed and going uphill and negotiating hazards at speed. It can also be used to give better control going down steep hills and going around the bends. I'm not going to read any more of this because it gets into the weeds, but this book is fantastic. So uh, that is your life skill for today. What are the gears in the car used for? This one's not quite as practical as other ones in here, but we got all kinds how to sew on a button as instructions, how to make a cold frame, how to pour wine. Well, that's not one that we needed to really worry about. How to <laughs> roast beef, hey, meat, how to neat make bread, all kinds of goodies in here. So it's good, man. Uh so <laughs> let me ask you, did you ever learn how to drive stick? Yeah. 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 Was that what you learned on or did you learn how to like drive automatic first?
1: Uh, I learned how to drive automatic first and then um uh there were, I served for a year in Hawaii as a missionary and we the car only car that we had was a uh stick shift and it was you know, if you've been to Hawaii you know it's Hawaii has very all kinds of hills. very mountainous and hilly and so uh yeah It's only that, a volcano. That was that was one of the that was that was very difficult to learn because um, I, I was just so nervous. I would back into a car. And, oh yeah, yeah. Especially so. like
0: you come to a stop on a hill. Yeah, and like okay, how much
1: gas I'm going to give this thing? Right. Trying to transition with right. the clutch. So I'm just I'm so thankful that I did not have to drive one of those anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. my my uh, my dad was insistent that I learn how to drive stick before I learned how to drive automatic. <laughs> so our first little my first car I learned I was a 1995 Ford Windstar. No, no, sorry. That was my van. I got, I gifted. Here's later, Ford Escort. It was like the cheapest. It was, it was great, um, but I could not figure out how to do the clutch and the gas. Like it just, it kept stalling out. It was like because in my mind, the way my dad was instructing was, it's either or. It's clutch or gas. Like you have to switch real quick. Yeah. And I was like, it just kept dying. I can't do that fast. He, finally, he said, "Look at my feet." I'm looking at his feet and go, "Oh, you have them both at the same time." Like, you ease into it. Like, you right. there's, like, this, like, wiggle room and in-between stuff. And then it was like, okay, I got this. And, uh, yeah, good times. It's not easy. No, it's not easy. But it, it's an art form, man. <laughs> and it's so much fun to get to drive stick until you're stuck in traffic on I-35. Then you go, I regret this. Yeah, not so fun. Give not me the so Tesla. Fun. Let it, <laughs> let yeah, it drive right. itself.
1: Right. Well, let's talk about New Year's, man. Let's talk about some resolutions. Are resolutions, you ready? yeah, so let's do it. See, let's see if you – how well you do in this. So what we did uh, – well, I say we. I didn't do it, but hundred people were polled about um, resolutions, and we're going to look at the top resolutions, top broken resolutions, and top Christian resolutions. So we're going to start with the top New Year's resolutions, and so okay. I've got eight on here, Daniel. And so um, I'm going to give you three guesses, and if you try to your your goal is to try and guess one of these eight. Okay, And I'll tell you if if you're right and how high that ranks. Okay. So, all right. New Year's resolutions. You're not cheating, are you? I'm not cheating. I, okay. I can't read your handwriting anymore. All right. So. All right. So top resolutions. Give me three guesses as to what the top resolutions are. Is this just everybody or is everybody. this Christian? No, this is this is everybody.
0: All right. I would say the top one is for the obvious of working out again or gym membership.
1: Yep. That's the second one, actually. That's the second one. Okay. Yeah, that's good, though. The first
0: one, eat healthier. That's the first one. All right. So eat healthier, yeah. exercise. All right, so what are the New Year's resolutions? Okay. Um, is there something about job change or something in there? Um, or career, career change or career consideration? Well, there's no. Honestly, Nothing? there's not. There's not? Okay, that's a no. fail. It's a one. It's a one strike. <laughs> <laughs> try and get some more. We need the sound effects bar. Yeah. We're, getting, we're working on that. Yeah. Um, other New Year's resolutions. I'm trying to think of different things that people might try and do. Uh, something involving relationships, yeah. Making friendships sure. make or make me friends. That's make one me of friends. Them. Okay,
1: yeah, good. So you got you got three. I got three. That's so all. Okay. I'll give you all of them here. Okay, ready? Bring it. Eat better is the first one. Okay. Work out more is the second. Spend less money. Spend less money. So it's, right? I get to the financial side <laughs> Take better care of yourself. Okay. I feel like that's so general though. Yeah. I
0: mean, once um, you're eating better and exercising better, you're, you're kind of covered. Self self care.
1: Self care. I guess. Mm. All right. Read more. Uh, learn a new skill, make oh. new friends, which is what you shared. Okay, or a new hobby. New hobby. A new hobby. I love how that's such
0: a like a res. I I am resoluting to spend my time doing something <laughs> that's you know I don't know. Some hobbies are really productive. I, I get yeah. that, but yeah. yeah.
1: All right, so now I resolved uh, to have more fun doing the things I don't normally do. Yeah. So, the most broken resolutions we know we're not always great at keeping resolutions. So, nope. uh, a survey of 100 people, um, what did most people say were the most broken resolutions? I think the most broken ones are going to be the top ones, right?
0: So, I would say the most broken resolution is to work out more. Uh-huh. That lasts, you know, a couple months or something. That was the top one. Okay. Um, and then the next one would be to eat better.
1: Uh, yeah, it was, but I'm trying to see on here how it's worded. Um, quit bad habits. Quit bad habits. Well, diet, diet is one of them. Okay, Okay. so diet. Okay. Um, but the bad habits
0: one, like it's almost like I'm gonna quit smoking or something. You know, that might be. Is it on there? It is, but I just gave that
1: to you. Yeah, thank you. All right, so give me give me give me one more.
0: Um, most broken resolutions man uh, to be nicer to people <laughs> 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 to, to not get on facebook uh, to post something ridiculous
1: is that really a resolution of yours no oh no not mine oh, Okay. No, okay. But ridic- you know, okay. what it should be for people all right um so yeah you said exercise the second one was get, quit bad habits mm. third was learn something new okay um fourth one was diet uh the fifth most broken resolution was to volunteer more
0: okay okay so people um, have a lot of good intentions. I'm right. to we'll help out people right. more. Eh, I'm going to do my hobby instead. Spend more time the with hobby's family. The not on there. Notice that. Like, yeah. in, the broken resolution to pursue your hobby is not on that list. <laughs> he found a way to yeah. – So the one thing that people are doing in the new year, they are making sure to pursue that new hobby. <laughs> they got that one covered. All right. Well
1: done. Uh, spend more time with family America. is a broken resolution. And then okay. uh, travel is the most broken. And mm. then um, getting out of debt – a lot of people start saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend less and get out of debt," and then they get into more debt.
0: Yeah. Then so, the the new iPhone comes out January 30th <laughs> right? or something. You know,
1: it's like, I, I just can't, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So last one. Let's look at Christian resolutions. What okay. are the top? Uh, well, what are three of the top eight
0: Christian three resolutions? Top, yeah, it's hard for me to, to be cynical on this, and. um <laughs> Because uh, they, they could go really general at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll try to think in terms of Christian culture and whatnot. I, I would say a big one would be to serve in the church more. Okay.
1: Yep, that's one of them.
0: Um, to give more to the church, maybe? Yep, that's one of them. Um let's see, to to bring my kids. Is that on there? <laughs> um, <laughs> Invi-
1: to invite someone to church, maybe? Yeah, that's a, that definitely is one of them. Okay, yeah, you got three. Okay. I got three. Hey, look Good at job. that. Good job. All right. Woo-hoo. So the top one is to study the Bible more. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh second one is to pray more. Third one is to evangelize more, invite invite people yeah. to church. Um still counts as one. Yeah. I mean, even though those are, you know, two two separate things. Yeah. Um, but uh serve in church more, um, go to church more, live more godly. That's kind of a broad structure. You know, broad, church, right? Yeah. And then uh to tithe more. Oh, and then there's another one, um, to sin less. To sin less. I will. It's <laughs> this like, year I'm going to resolve to sin less. Don't think less. about
0: crashing into the pole. Don't think about crashing into the pole. <laughs> yeah. Or don't think about driving down the wrong side of the road in a new weird intersection. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. For those who are familiar with Fluggerville, this is such a tangent, but yeah. maybe you can make a New Year's resolution
1: to... Pay attention to road signs and, and weird intersections, okay? So what he's referring to is the uh, – if you live in Pflugerville, um, 685 and Pecan, there is a uh, – it's been closed for like, what, a year? Just Eight, pretty much. That's yeah, 10 months. And so they finally open it up, and I'm I'm all excited. I'm, I'm coming uh, towards Pecan, and I try to turn right on Pecan, and I turn. And fortunately, this is at night, and I'm like – I realize that there's – it's marked – um, to turn them, turn left, and then there's a car coming. I'm like, what? What? What's going on here? Why is and a so, car on the wrong side of the so road? So I throw it in reverse, and uh I'm like, what is happening here? And then I look at the sign, and then I follow the sign. But I, it's, yeah, I mean, I've lived here 11 years. Just the natural thing is, I'm going to turn right on red. Yeah, nope. Don't, don't it's turn right on red. All your
0: natural instincts in the intersection need to be thrown out to the trash because it's, it's at those intersections with that that third middle lane where you two. Directions of traffic use the same lane, right and you cross over on the wrong side of the road to make a left. and it's it's so confusing, so
1: i I mean, I shared this story with my friend here, hoping to, you know, get a little sympathy. No, none. Um, he goes on and on about how brilliant it is. And so I go on I go online and find out that most of Pflugerville agrees with me, yeah, and not you. Much. but uh, that's all right. It,
0: here's the thing. It's working really well to keep traffic down for two reasons. One, it's brilliant. Two, everyone's avoiding it. <laughs> yeah, everyone's avoiding it. That's the you deal. Yeah. So I don't know if it's that it's brilliant or if everyone's just like, I don't know what to do or I don't want to. Because <laughs> every time I go through the intersection, someone is always going down the wrong lane. Yeah. Like, and it was funny. Brooke went down that the intersection the other day and she did it all correctly. And the person that went down the wrong lane just sort of like put their head over their face. It's yeah. like just, <laughs> the drive of shame. Yeah, right. You know? So this year, so if you have a New Year's resolution,
1: drive. So then you decide: do I do I back up and get out, or do I just push on through? Like, What do you do? And,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, it's just you got to just push on through. And I think everyone's like, okay, we need to at least reserve this one lane. For the guy that's going to go down the wrong way to so yeah. avoid him. Well, and it helped now that they put the barrels there to and They've they repainted some of it too. Instead of like a yeah. dotted line, it's a solid line. They put some orange on the little concrete medium. I still think it's ridiculous. But
1: uh, you think it's brilliant. I think it's ridiculous. I,
0: but. I just recognize that someone had to think of this. Someone had to come up with this idea that involves an extra set of lights on either side. and all. It's so convoluted. It took someone brilliant to come up with it. But it's incredibly efficient if you follow it. Yeah, but it is is—it's dangerous. If everyone else follows it. <laughs> yeah, if everyone else. That's kind of yeah. contingent on that. But all right. Maybe it's being too generous. <laughs> all right. Well,
1: that's all I got, man. Well, that's let's- it. it's, this, time, it's time to kick you out of here and- Kick uh, me out.
0: And bring Wes in. In my place will be our senior pastor, Wes Wilkinson, and he's going to do a great interview with Matt. Not really an interview, but just a great dialogue about worldviews. So stick around. You will learn something. Absolutely. Guaranteed. See you in a minute. Adios.
1: Hey, we are back, and Pastor Wes is here with us, and uh, we are going to talk today about biblical worldview, developing a biblical worldview. And uh, Pastor Wes, you you started a series last night on this, and yep. uh, it was
2: uh, it was good, a lot of information. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, we, I, I... Man didn't even go over half of what I had down in the notes, but that is is what it is. <laughs> well, that's that's what
1: you have next week yeah. and the next week and the next week. So, let's um for those maybe that that uh, weren't there, or even if you, if you were there, um let's let's kind of do a recap. Um worldview, what, what are we talking about here when when you say a, a worldview? Yeah.
2: So you know, worldview is uh, it's amazing how. Uh, ignorant. We we tend to be, I think, as church folk with this term. Uh, I was first introduced to it when I was in high school, so I guess uh, something, you know, 15, 15, 16 years ago. And the, the term is real specific because it's not, we're not talking about world religions. I think we all know what world religions are. It's all, all you know, various different religions. There's mm-hmm. Christianity, there's Judaism, there's Islam, there's Hinduism. Buddhist, everybody gets that. They may not know what each of those religions teach, but they get what religion is. Worldview is not equal with religion. Now, there are some religions that are complete worldviews, but not all religions are worldviews. In fact, some religions are subcategories of a broader worldview. So what we mean by worldview, real simple, uh, the West definition is um, we're talking about the the beliefs that a person holds, which— Actually dictate and are reflected in their actions, hmm. and when we say beliefs, we mean beliefs about every area of life. Right. And and as you, as you dive in further, so if a worldview are the beliefs I hold that dictate my actual actions, the other aspect of worldview then is that a worldview would offer uh, a. Um, what we would call a meta narrative, an overarching story that's going to really answer. Um, most will tell you three. I like to add in a fourth, but four core questions about reality. So those four questions are: How do we get here? Question of origins. How, how do we get here? Why, why do we matter? Um, what, what's our value? Uh, what's gone wrong? Because interestingly, there's there's not there, there's only a few people that would make the claim that nothing's wrong. Uh, overwhelming majority of the world worldviews would say something's wrong. Something With the something, world. Yeah, what, with, the world. with the world. Something's yeah. wrong with the world. There, there's mm. problems. W- what went wrong? What is the problem? Question three is, how does the problem get fixed? Mm-hmm. What's the solution to this problem? And then the fourth question that I think as a, be- as a believer with access to God's truth that I think a worldview also has to address is, where's it going? What's the end? Mm-hmm. Where is everything headed? Even if we know how we got here, if we understand what went wrong, if we understand the solution, in light of all of that, where are we going? What's what's the end, the end goal? What's the end game? And so, a worldview is that meta narrative, that overarching story, which answers these questions. And answering these questions gives us certain beliefs, and those beliefs then are to be translated out into actions. And so, the actions that we live by reflect our beliefs, which would then tell us what our actual worldview is. Mm. It's a way of interpreting all of life, our experiences, knowledge, truth, encounters. It's a way of interpreting a framework through which we interpret all of life.
1: So you uh, would say we all have a worldview, regardless absolutely. of regardless of whether you're a believer or not. Everyone has a worldview.
2: Absolutely. Nobody yeah. does not have a worldview because everybody is living life, and everybody has a framework, an interpretive lens, a pair of glasses that they see the world through. Right. It is their worldview,
1: right? So, Where they ask those same questions, like, "How did I get here? Um, what What is the problem? And then, what's the solution to that problem?" And I, you know, I think that um, what what so many people are, are want to know is, okay, there's a problem, and obviously, I'm here. And uh, am I am I part of the solution? And how how can I How can I be a part of that solution? And um, or maybe not. Maybe they they don't ask that. But I think as believers, um, we know there's a problem. You know, we know how we got here, um, and we see the the issues in our world, and we know that we know that that um, Christ is the only one that can that can make a miracle out of this mess that we're in as a world, but. And what it, you know how does that play out into our life and, and how do we respond to that? And so um, So yeah, so we all have a worldview. We all have an idea about God, the, the world, the problems in the world. So let's unpack a little bit more about um, so last night in the, the the first session, you helped define the worldview with the idea of what a worldview is, but then um, where else did you go with that?
2: Yeah, and let me before shifting there. I just remember one other aspect. One of the key differences too between a, a religion and a worldview is a religion may or may not have answers for some of those questions we've already answered. But but a religion uh, to be a worldview, there's some who would say there, there's ten categories that cover all aspects of life mm-hmm. that you have to have consistent, coherent beliefs developed. And not every religion has answers for those 10 categories. So, for instance, those 10 categories, theology, our view of God. Is there God? If so, what is he, she, it like?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, philosophy, view of reality, what's real and what's true? How do we know what's real? How do we know what's true? Biology, mm-hmm. how did we get here? Why did we get here? What's the purpose of life? Psychology, what is the basic nature of mankind? Is man good, is man bad, is man indifferent? Blank slate, Uh, ethics, view of morality, what's right? How do we know it's right? Uh, Sociology, um, how should society be structured? I mean things like family, um, uh, uh, personal relations, things like that. Law, what is the basis for law? And then closely tied politics, what is the purpose of government? Where does government come from? Economics, what produces a sound economy? History. How do we interpret uh, history? If, if uh, where most religions will fall short of a worldview is they don't address all of those categories. Whereas a true worldview, so there's a Christian or the biblical worldview, it has answers and addresses all of those things. We see all of those things in the first ten chapters of Genesis. We see all mm-hmm. of those things fulfilled in the person of Christ. Uh, we find in um, in America our predominant worldviews. There's there's the uh, biblical worldview. There's the Islamic worldview which is the fastest-growing segment of the population uh, religiously, by the way, based on what I was looking at yesterday. Uh, There's the Marxist worldview. There's the secular humanist worldview, the New Age worldview, and the postmodern worldview. Mm -hmm. And all of those, uh, we were looking at stuff earlier, Matt, all all of those have answers to what's the problem. Yeah. They all have their own answers on what's the problem. And, and based on what they think the problem is, they all have their own answers on what's the solution, which all inform where they think we're headed. Yeah. And so, anyway, so yeah, so back to last night. Last night, essentially, we did something. And I know if, if you were there last night, some of you may be asking, hey, well, man, we're really excited, but did we miss what is a biblical worldview? And I just, just to, Clarification: No, you didn't. I I very intentionally (laughs) did not answer that question. In fact, that'll be next week's question. We'll walk through and unpack, at least in a in a general, broad, and concise sense, what is this thing we call a biblical worldview. Uh, Last night, my aim was really this: Uh, It's um, you know, right now uh, we've got uh, you know our little girls, fourteen months old, and Uh sometimes um, sometimes Bethany and I like we're awake. But I'm not really sure how alert we are, how how really observant we are. You're going on a couple hours of sleep, and I'm awake, but my eyes are kind of... Yeah. Um, that's a lot of times how I think we are as a church community with mm-hmm. worldview. I, I, we're awake, but we're not really seeing the inconsistencies in our church life, and our personal life. We're not really... And so what last night was was an attempt to... Um, take a bucket of ice water, toss it on all of us so there's a little bit of a shock of going, oh wow, now I'm awake, now I'm alert. And, and I, I point blank told everybody my goal last night was to uh, was to overwhelm everybody with answering the question of well, where are we in, in light of this thing of worldview and, and where we're at, we're, we're not in a good spot. Uh, all of the stats uh, all of the stats are clear. Um, and if my, of course my computer would lock me out here and <laughs> not answer my password for several times. I want to make sure I'm accurate with what I tell you stat-wise. But, you know, the stats are clear. Last night we had 100 people in the room. And based on the stats, out of that 100 people, um, if that 100 people are reflective of America, only 30 are born-again, consider themselves born-again believers. And out of those that consider themselves born-again believers, only 10 have a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. Or I threw out a different stat that said, based on how many people seem to be active members in our church, if you follow the stats of how many who claim to be Christians, who claim to be born-again Christians, possess a biblical worldview when tested. Um, if you follow by those stats, what we concluded is in our church, if we've got 500 active church members, not, you know, we might not have 500 there on one Sunday. Some people are here this Sunday. Some people are here this Sunday. Sure. Some are online. But if we've got 500 people who are active in our church, then based on the stats, we have 37 who possess a biblical worldview. Hmm. Now, we have 49 teachers Teaching grow groups in our church, so we don't even have. If the stats are true, and and if they were to be over us, we don't even have enough brothers and sisters in our church with a a minimum of eighty percent, a B minus on biblical worldview, to fulfill all of the teaching spots we have. Much less. Deacon spots or, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, greeting spots or, or other places of service, and so, um, and and then and as you look at those stats, if if maybe in our minds we think, well, you know, yeah, we know the younger generation's really pulling away. Well, the stats are horrible amongst my generation, the millennials. Yeah. Um, generation Z is just getting to the point where we're starting to get a pretty good amount of data, and they're becoming the focus. Um, it's not better there. But the the real reality is this. If there's 4% of millennials who possess a biblical worldview, those who are older, those, you know, over the age of 60, those we would say, man, the good old days of American Christianity, only 9% of them have a biblical worldview. Wow. So all across the board, there's a great challenge. And and, And so my hope last night, my prayer was that we would be so overwhelmed by it all that two things would happen. That one, it would create a desperation in how we pray. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, the only way that really we're going to see a course correction in church life is for true revival to happen where where, where the Holy Spirit, there's a movement of the Holy Spirit. And um, many times we, I, I just don't think we, we pray in, in true desperation, we realize, Lord, if you don't do something here, we, we're, we're sunk. Yeah. So part of that overwhelming was to drive us to a point of desperation. Part of it, though, is to also drive us to a point of, and it's closely tied to, humility. To be willing to say, hey, you know what? Do I have? I mean, that's kind of the point I was trying to make last night is the statistics say that almost no one in this room has a biblical worldview. Are you willing then to, to, to look back? Are you willing then to reconsider? Are you willing then to allow the word of God to really wash over you in a fresh way? To to receive the spirit's convicting and go, wow, you know what? Over here, I really been good in my worldview, but man, look at this area over here. I've totally missed it for all my life. Mm-hmm. Man, awesome! And let's have that kind of humility to be able to receive and and see that from the Lord. Because the truth is, none of us has a flawless biblical worldview. Right. Because if we're in Christ, we're all still undergoing the process of sanctification. But we should have a pretty sound, pretty consistent, pretty saw. In my opinion, I think we should have at least a ninety or ninety-five percent biblical worldview based on, I think, what's clearly said in Scripture.
1: Okay, but so, and I agree with all that. Let's let's unpack the question of why. Like, why is it so important that we have a biblical worldview, and why is it so important that we teach that to to the, the next generation and to to make sure. Um, it, you know the, where I'm going with that is, you you've laid that out. Um, as believers, we want to have a biblical worldview, but yeah. why is it so imperative that we we communicate this um, th- th- this concept of a worldview? Why is it so? Why does it matter?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, it matters because um, Matt, a hundred times out of a hundred, you and I will do what we actually believe, right? and that's the reality. We 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 never we always act out of what we actually believe. Now we may say we believe something mm-hmm. because it's the right answer, but that doesn't necessarily mean we actually really believe it. We actually that's what we trust. That's what our faith really is reflective of. And, and and why does it matter what we do? Because as believers, we are standing here saying that there is an almighty, all-knowing, all-loving, all-good, all-powerful God who's made us in his image. And our sin has broken us out of that relationship, mm-hmm. which is why there's the problem in the world that there is. It's why we see the brokenness. It's why we see mm-hmm. the the twistedness the 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 backwardsness of the world um and, and but praise the Lord that the solution isn't a solution we came up with. it's a solution God came up with. He sent his one and only unique son mm-hmm. to pay the price uh, to receive the punishment we rightly deserve yeah. Uh he, he lived, he, he came, he lived, he died, he rose. And there's this offer of salvation. In him, but that offer of salvation is, um, I mean, I, I was, in fact, I was reading my time with the Lord the other day. Jesus walks by the Sea of Capernaum, and when he calls the first disciples, what does he say? Follow me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say think about me. He doesn't say consider me. He doesn't say feel positive about me. He doesn't right. say write books about. Me. He says follow me. Mm-hmm. Inherently, there is a doing in that. That that there is a a reflection, and I mean that's what God's at work in our lives doing as believers is to conform us to the image of His Son. Mm-hmm. It, it's to, it's to it's it's to so why is it important we have a biblical worldview? Because if we're going to actually follow Jesus, yeah we have to believe correctly and think rightly but then it's imperative that we have it because what is in following jesus what what mission has jesus entrusted us with the, with right now this side of heaven to lead
1: others in that to yeah. make disciples, disciples yeah
2: to make not just to make disciples but to make disciples who will go and make disciples right. so we've got to be able to share the gospel message we've got to be able to see people come to faith in christ in mm-hmm. response to the lord and then when they come to faith in christ we've got to pour into them so that they can then go and, and be part of doing the same. Well, how on earth can we get there if how can we make disciples when we're not walking as a disciple? Yeah. And and and, and we will here's the other reality. All of us make disciples, and we tend to make disciples of ourselves. Yeah. So if I am not a, really following as a disciple of Christ, and I go try to make a disciple of someone, who who are they gonna, who are they gonna? be like right. they're, they're gonna look like me but if i'm walking with christ and i'm and i'm reflecting christ and if i'm discipling someone they're gonna look like christ because I'm, I'm 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 discipling to the end and then the other aspect of that is not or it's burrowing down into discipleship is there's clearly in scripture this call every generation has a generation behind it that there's a clear call in scripture to pass along the faith to mm. And so part of the reason I think we see that things are so bad in the younger generations is because if we're honest, and we're going to go there in two weeks on Wednesday night, just a little plug for everybody watching, how do we get to where we're at today? If we're honest, though there was a time when culturally the morals of Scripture were more honored than they are today, if we are honest, the reason there's such a lack of biblical worldview in the younger generations today is because there was a lack of biblical worldview in the generations that came before them. Mm. Yeah, and if we don't correct this, we will continually repeat the same cycle. It's just like the Book of Judges.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think um, you made a comment earlier about how we're all disciples, and I mean, those of us that are are following Jesus Christ, um, we we are influenced by a lot of yeah. a lot of teaching from culture from from government from other people and um yeah we say we follow Christ but what happens is these ideas creep in from all these other sources and it begins to begins to pollute um the the purity of Christ and and yeah. and what we what we are to believe and so um especially with culture i mean that's yeah. just, that's just one For but sure. um you know we we so we come to church you know once or twice a week but we live in the culture the rest of the week, and and we're we're bombarded with images, and and um, you know we we tend to gravitate towards those who are celebrities or those who yep. uh, you know give us give us these messages, and we're like, oh, I like that, and we begin to create kind of our own way of thinking and our own ideas about God, where we may we may know no scripture and read scripture, but we're like, you know, but that that sounds good. Or I, I like that too. Or yeah. and we we before we know it, we've created this whole different kind of Christianity.
2: Yeah. And uh, it, our, we call that syncretism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. which is actually the and we looked at it last night, that is actually the dominant worldview. Eighty eight percent of Americans don't actually fall in any category of worldview. Yeah they're syncretists.
1: Yeah. Or someone described to me as a like a cafeteria plant, yeah. where it's like, that looks good, that looks good, yeah. okay, you know. I'll, t- I'll
2: take this from the Marxist line, I'll take a couple of these from the biblical yeah. line, I'll take some of this from the, oh, well, I like a lot of the secular line, that's right. really good, that's a lot of good sugar, makes me feel good, you know, like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's totally what we do.
1: Yeah, and so then we, then we try to pass that to our kids, but also realizing that our kids and then the younger generation, I mean, they're also intaking all of this. Um, you'd mentioned a, a TikTok pastor last night and just, you know, influences like TikTok where, you know, people will, will gravitate towards that. And got just so much craziness on, on TikTok. Well, and right? I think, and
2: I think that's the reason stuff is all of a sudden seemingly moving at warp speed, Yeah, you know, is, is, and I, and, and, I'm, I'm by no means, I'm not a, I don't love social media, but I'm not like social media is a thing. It's not inherently a right or wrong. It's, right. it's a thing. How it's used, how it's viewed, how it's consumed, that's where the right or wrong comes in. And, you know, that's where things have changed. I I even think about – I think about in the the last year and a half in America, we we have – all of a sudden, we've got an explosion of worldview terms Mm -hmm. that no one had ever heard before. We've got things like CRT and intersectionality. We've got – um, you know, people tossing out woke theology is woke good, is woke bad. We've got, you know, that's in one vein. We've got, we've, we've been seeing in the last decade so many drives of, of the feminist movement or, or of this movement, that movement. And, and here's what's crazy is um, no one's saying the term liberation theology, but all of those movements come back and, and have ties into. I finished college 11 years ago. I went to a Christian university. We talked about all sorts of ridiculous theological things all the time. It's, you know, it's, there's, there, that stereotype wasn't everywhere, but it was true. Yeah, there, there was some of that there. Ten years ago, I wouldn't talk to anybody who was bringing up those things, because for you to go as a college student and really dive into that, you were going to have to go to a library and pull um, from some really. Um, Liberal theologians—that just—it wasn't common for consumption. Fast forward to the last couple of years of college ministry for me. I mean, if you go through my Instagram, you would find safe posts and go, "Wow, our pastor's a heretic!" Because I save a lot of stuff I see pop up from other students, so I can be aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason it's going so fast is because. We found – we there's those out there who have found a way to take what was once heavily academic and elite and in locked in certain places, mm-hmm. and they've made it palatable for the everyday public, and they are pumping it nonstop on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube, yeah. where now yeah. anybody – I mean, you think about that. If you give your kid an iPhone at 10 years old and they've got an Instagram account, all of these theologians, all of these movements, all of these – Twists on truth they have access to, whereas once they might have lived their whole life 40 years ago and never even heard of any of it. Yeah. So part of why I think it's moving so fast is because the 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 means through which we can get information Information has become far more accessible.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, I know we're going to continue to unpack this in the weeks to come, but here's where I want to end with this, Wes. um, This question to you. Um, Let's look at the let's look at the source of all this. I mean. How have we gotten to where we? are? I mean, obviously, we talked about the problem being sin, but sure. let's talk about the bigger battle. I mean, let's yeah, I mean, I that. think
2: Scripture's super clear. When you look at Scripture, you know, it's, it's some. How, how did we get here? Well, I think it's easy for us to go, man. Co- well, culture's just gotten so bad, man. Culture's just gotten so bad. The world's just such. Here's the reality: the world's no more wicked today than it was a hundred years ago. It's no more wicked today than it was in Jesus. Like the world's broken. It's wicked. Like Scripture. <laughs> scripture doesn't yeah. qualify. Well, in this season, the world's a little less, like, it. it this, the world's broken, yeah. period. The reality is Scripture's clear in Ephesians 6. Our battle as believers is not it's against flesh, blood. flesh and yeah. blood. And it's therefore not against culture. It's mm-hmm. against powers and principalities mm-hmm. and forces of darkness. Scripture's clear. That there is a real being uh, that we call Satan. Yeah. Scripture is clear that there is a, a legion of, of demonic armies, of demons that are in cahoots with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's who, I mean, Scripture, First, Second uh, Corinthians 4 talks about that over those who are non-believers, that Satan has put a veil over yeah. their hearts to prevent them from understanding. Um uh we we look at Ephesians two, the Prince of the Power of the Air, the reality that behind who's really behind culture, mm-hmm. demonic influence. Yeah. Now, I think in our society we hear demons and spiritual warfare, and we either run to like the exorcist or we think of those Looney Tune cartoons where it's like mm-hmm. devil with the pitchfork. <laughs> right. and... It's much more much more subtle. Yeah. But the reality is I firmly believe the overwhelming majority of yeah spiritual warfare paul sums up in first corinthians 10 where he says we have not been given uh physical weapons we've been given um spiritual weapons that that are are powerful for the Mm. destruction of strongholds the tearing down of fortresses which just by the way ought to be a huge encouragement in this discussion about worldview it means that as believers we have been given weapons that are strong enough to tear down the palaces of false worldview right but then he goes and defines one of those weapons, and he says, taking captive every thought to the obedience Making of Christ. Obe- yeah. So what is ultimately spiritual warfare? It's taking captive our thoughts.
1: Yeah.
2: It's by the power of the Holy Spirit and the self-control of the Spirit produced within us to take captive our thoughts to the obedience of Christ, which – what does that mean to take captive the obedience of Christ? means take captive our thoughts to the Word of God. Right. To the Word of God. And so it's not – it's not what do I feel about this? It's wait a minute, is that thought true or not? Right. It's it's very honestly, it's very unglamorous and it wouldn't make a great movie. Which is why I think we fell at it a lot as Americans. Because mm-hmm. we're real wrapped up in what we feel and, and and what's glamorous and what seems cool and heroic and this and that. And and we struggle with just everyday mundane things. And so it's why we allow, I love, I think it was Martin Luther who made a quote, something along the lines of I can't control. I can't control what thoughts come into my mind any more than I can control the birds that fly through the sky. But I can absolutely control which birds get to nest in my tree. Mm, That's good. Thoughts are going to come at us from all sorts of places. Yeah. And I said last night, my students over the years have heard me say it, 99.9% truth is 100% a lie 100% of the time. Yeah. And Satan is a master in these thoughts. Look at Scripture. Yeah how Satan tempt Adam and Eve with the word of God? Right. I mean, Distorting. what God had said. How did Satan tempt Jesus yeah. by quoting scripture? Right. By quoting scripture. How do you think Satan's going to try to mess with us in, in this battle of world views to present something that sounds and maybe has a connection right. or two to truth, but also isn't fully surrendered to truth and takes you another way? And so, I mean, yeah, it's a subtle, powerful battle.
1: Right. And we talk about... Our truth or my truth, and there really is only one truth. That's the Word of God, and and that's why it's so important. And that we've been given that as as our as our weapon. You know, when you look at the the um, the spiritual armor, you know how everything else is is used to for defense, but then our offense is the Word of God, and that's why it's important to know it and to live by it. Good stuff, man. I, I'm I'm excited about this, and uh, I'm, I'm pumped for Sunday. the days ahead.
2: Excited for th- things the Lord's going to let us get to go through as a church body, and, and for, for us sure. to un- unpack it uh, more and more each week uh, here on the podcast. Yeah,
1: me too. Me too. So, well, Pastor West, would you pray us out yeah. today,
2: Father? I do just ask uh, for those listening, for church family, as, as we walk through this, Lord, just that you would. I think of Jesus. Your prayer in John 17, you pray, Father, sanctify them in truth, and then you say, Your word is truth. Mm. So, Father, may our lives be captive to your word, and may you set us apart, set us clean, make us pure, shine us bright in your word. Um, God, may we take captive our thoughts to the obedience of Christ. And, um, Jesus, we just look to you. This is not a battle we can win on our own, but, oh, praise the Lord, uh, you are with us and you are for us in this battle. So, Jesus, it's just in your name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Pastor Wes, thank you, Absolutely. and thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, man, be sure to share this. Hit the like button there. Um, you can find us on all the different platforms out there. What's what's your favorite? What's your favorite platform?
2: Uh I'll be honest, I don't really have a favorite.
1: Okay, well, I, I you know, like, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, whatever you got, Apple. Hey, we're just grateful that you listen, and we're grateful when you share. So get the word out. Thanks for listening.